What's up, beautiful people? And welcome back to Relax. We're all gonna die. I'm Jackie Dutton, here for this week's installment of Rational Reality, and thank you so much for listening. Right away, to dive into this podcast episode, I want to say, if you're listening, I am so grateful. I'm grateful for a few reasons. One, because you're taking time out of your own day to listen into this content. And two, because it means I haven't been censored and banned from the internet yet. (laughs) Yay! Then I realize I haven't done or said anything I would consider even mildly hateful, nothing I would ever think would incite violence, and certainly nothing attacking people or individuals, let alone people or individuals within a protected group. Before I started this audio journey of podcasts, though, you could find the majority of the content I created on YouTube. Basically, what I would do is I'd take existing commercials and using a green screen and some editing tricks, I would add myself to the commercial to make it way more entertaining. They're still up and you can check them out if you'd like, you just search my name on YouTube. Some of my videos got more views than others. And with views into the tens of thousands, you can almost always guarantee a variety of comments that get left as well. If you'd like scientific proof that the collective IQ of the world is shockingly low, go ahead and scroll through the comments section on popular YouTube videos. There, you will find what I like to refer to as the Noah's Ark of Morons, because there will literally be two of everything. Two mean comments, two completely irrelevant comments, two comments where they genuinely don't fucking understand but they still took the time to type something, two fake bot accounts that leave spam links, Two people who decided it was a political thing, even though it had nothing to do with politics, now they're having a side argument. Two old people who think that the comment sections are actually private messages for their grandkids. Like, I know you've seen this. And if you haven't been convinced that the internet world is full of complete idiots, I will point out that even on Master Symphonies by immortalized composers put up on YouTube, there are still a bunch of people who felt the need to hit the dislike button. Fuck these people. When you have a video that gets negative comments, you can go through and report them to YouTube. So I'm not an asshole who spends a single second of my time leaving a negative comment on someone else's content, so I don't know what happens when you're reported, but I think when this happens often enough, you're kicked off the platform. Hopefully. If you ask me, there should have been some kind of IQ test to even allow you access in the first place. And as a side note and message of motivation to all people who create content, though, let me assure you, you will never be criticized by someone doing more than you. Every idiot who felt the need to leave a negative comment almost always has created zero original content themselves. And they have never attempted a single moment of original creativity in their entire lives. So you're not being evaluated by your peers. So don't take much stock in it. 98% of people don't have the balls to ever create something and stick their neck out for judgment. So don't consider the negative comments to be anything worthwhile. It says far more about them and how they sat there on their ass watching or listening to your content and not creating any of their own. It's a fascinating study of an idiot's psychology, though, to see what they do enjoy and what they do hit the like button for and what they are willing to share with what they feel is their own audience and their own peers. 
I skimmed over a post recently that claims the spreading of misinformation dropped 70% after President Trump was banned from Twitter. I'm not fucking sure how you even measure that to begin with. I'm still seeing an awful lot of crazy on the Explore page, but maybe that's because I'm attracted to the freak show and it's worked into my algorithm. But the sensationalism of clickbait or the share button simply for the title of an article is out of control. And as we discussed in the first episode here, more clicks equals more money, so that's why they're doing it and that's why they've allowed it. But am I the only person who thinks that we wouldn't be in this position right now where we're all toying with revoking the First Amendment and the freedom of speech had it not been for that fucking share button in the first place? Like, I'm sure our founding fathers didn't write the Second Amendment with an AR-15 in mind, but they sure as shit didn't see the Facebook share button coming either. You can find anything on the internet in written word. You can find articles that say the Holocaust didn't happen, 9-11 was an inside job, but shouldn't there have been an IQ test for the articles themselves that were allowed to be shared in the first place? But wait, wouldn't that have originally been censorship? So, okay, so what's changed? A friend of mine recently said that the freedom of speech does not mean freedom of repercussions. He added that this is why bartenders don't tell you to go fuck yourself while they're working, but I feel that the first part is enough of a statement that we can discuss. In the United States, until very recently, the freedom of speech and the freedom to protest peacefully has been so protected that even in the Supreme Court, it was ruled that the wrinkleless brains of the Westboro Baptist Church are continually allowed to protest at funerals. Funerals. Can you imagine that? On a day you bury your loved one, you roll up to the cemetery and see a bunch of self-righteous, overly religious crackpots protesting the memory of someone you love because they disagreed with one thing about your loved one that is on a long list of shit they incorrectly believe is a sin. I find them to be the most despicable group of subhumans I can name off the top of my head, and they deserve the fiery hell they claim their protest subjects will go. I remember when the ruling happened, though, and it was so obvious what the law is in its broadest and most narrow definition. That the freedom of speech is simply that. It's the freedom of speech. Whether or not you agree with it, it's still allowed. It's still a right. It's still a freedom. Much like the Noah's Ark of idiots on YouTube in the comments section, though, despite clearly not being able to pass the mental litmus test to even leave an educated comment, even those people are still allowed the protected freedom to be assholes. Ignorant, rude, stupid, in written form. But until recently, your two options in response on YouTube were to either you could respond in kind, but guess what? As a creator, if you react just as negatively to the commenters, sometimes YouTube will suspend you and therefore cut off your income and your views and your ad revenue. So I guess your only option then was that you just blocked or reported these people to the YouTube gods and hoped that something was addressed. It's not really a fair system. And as for the protesting at funerals, even when the police are called, they can't move the protesters if they aren't trespassing. 
These people specifically show up to be the thorn in the side of people on the most sensitive of days. It's disgusting. As for people who take a stand and begin an altercation with these idiots, the members of the church then hire lawyers and sue for harassment and monetary damages, because Jesus needs a quarter, and apparently a really good fucking lawyer. They are usually awarded a judgment of money as well, because the law is written in an asshole's favor. What kind of repercussion is that? Apparently, it isn't harassment if it's a protest at a funeral, but it is harassment if it's in response to a completely inappropriate protest at a funeral. Should something be addressed and changed? Well, for the same reason that, you know, this is why we can't have nice things, there's always that one person who takes it way too far. But for now... The U.S. Constitution and the First Amendment uphold that everyone should have the freedom of speech, even if it isn't speech people agree with or support. How'd we get here, though? How'd we get to the place where the idiots taking it way too far were the ones in control of angry mobs? And now it's being discussed to ban level-headed people from the freedom of speech? Okay, so for starters, I think I know the inception of this. I'm going to blame Yelp. Oh, not specifically Yelp, but like, it, have you ever watched the South Park episode about Yelp? In their own brilliant way of storytelling, they make fun of people leaving reviews on Yelp who felt that the internet and a shitty app instantly made them a food critic, and it validated their unevolved culinary opinions. Um, and thanks for the three-star rating and the four negative paragraphs about the place with the fucking chicken fingers on the menus, Karens. I'll be on the lookout for the waiter who leaves you without water for over ten minutes. Oh my god. I also need to add that if anyone doesn't understand Yelp by now, here it is. The people who work there specifically show the worst reviews and bad ratings for a business if they don't pay for it. They will literally call a business and offer to take off their negative reviews if they start payment for it. Don't believe me? Ask a small business owner. Anyway. But all of these apps and sections for reviews and all the blogs and all the comment sections did was give people an outlet for opinions nobody really needed. I talk about in episode one how word of mouth is the most powerful form of advertising. Well, it was until the internet came along. Because between apps and comment sections and pay-to-play scams and any of the paid placement advertising and this paid testimonial thing, you can't trust anything that you read on the internet as a source of communication anymore. Not that the news media is doing a better job currently. The days of Walter Cronkite just reporting some opinion-free facts, those are long gone. And it's in favor of the fear porn hub we now experience that I talk about in the last episode. So congratulations! Because of Yelp and everything like it, we were so interested in looking for opposing viewpoints to balance the scales that we have created an antithesis to every thesis, and consequently a reaction to every action. The amazing, incredible parts of being able to speak your mind, garner an audience, be heard and echoed for a valid point has bounced back as the new experience of being censored, shunned, shut down, and silenced for saying something people didn't like or agree with. 
Again, should the freedom of speech come without the freedom of repercussions? Mm, probably not. In the same way that I believe for every person who starts a fight, they deserve to meet a person who finishes it. But speaking your mind shouldn't be viewed as starting a fight simply because there are people who don't agree with what was said. Particularly when the intention of the first speaker wasn't meant to be offensive. Here's where we're going to end up. If I rubbed a crystal ball sack to see the future, here's where I think we're going to be. Oddly enough, this issue will take us to the same place as porn. The People vs. Larry Flint is not only a movie, but a true story about the many legal struggles of porn peddler Larry Flint and Hustler Magazine, and the Supreme Court case ruling in favor of him and Hustler Magazine. See, way before internet porn, people bought magazines, and the two biggest names in the game were Playboy and Hustler. Playboy's branding was specifically more innocent. If there was nudity, it was deemed tasteful, and of course there were those people who said they read it for the articles. Hustler, on the other hand, was looked at as the raunchy stepsister of Playboy, specifically for their far more graphic, no-frills version of nudity, and without getting into detail, there's just a whole lot more vagina in Hustler. But anyway... A reverend named Jerry Falwell, who had a very religious anti-porn platform, talked a bunch of shit about Hustler, and Larry Flint didn't like it. So, Larry Flint ran a parody cartoon ad in Hustler magazine. This parody cartoon suggested that Reverend Falwell's first sexual encounter was in an outhouse with his mother. The reverend sued for damages of intentional affliction of emotional distress. The Supreme Court struck it down and said that public figures are not allowed to sue for intentional infliction of emotional distress if it came from the source of a parody. In other words, no matter how distasteful the joke, whether you like it or not, you're not allowed to sue someone for hurting your fucking feelings. Another landmark way that porn is going to be the precedent for how the freedom of speech on the internet is going to go is a case that Larry Flint addressed quite often about the definition of obscenity. There were a lot of people willing to say that Hustler and anything similar was obscene, and according to the Supreme Court, their definition of the word obscene is, and I quote, utterly without socially redeeming value, to that which lacks serious literary, artistic, political, or scientific value. Whether anyone likes it or not, the Supreme Court will rule that a lot of these tweets, blogs, posts, and statements were politically motivated, and therefore they can't be restricted under the First Amendment. To this, I've seen two opposing arguments. But it's a private company. They're allowed to do what they want. And then the rebuttal to this is, well, so was a bakery that didn't want to make a cake for a gay wedding. Okay, First of all, fuck the cakes. The bakery didn't start under the premise of being a platform for the freedom of speech and then take it away when they wanted to. Think about the amount of shit you've seen on the internet that is inflammatory, stupid, obscene, gross, a flat-out lie. I could continue. I'm not sure how something like Two Girls, One Cup made it on the internet, since it is absolutely without socially redeeming value, but it found its place to live forever there. Last I checked, Pornhub is allowed to list every kink and term that airs on the side of illegal. The words rape, 
incest, fantasized pedophilia with terms like underage or teen, despite their attempt at regulating that, it's still rampant. So let's be real, of all the things found and shared online, are idiots' conspiracy theories the most harmful thing on the list? Not by far. Twitter's hypocrisy, in my opinion, is laid in the timing of them drawing the line. Despite letting hate mongers, bullies, porn, and the Yelp opinion culture run rampant for years without a care in the world, now, this amazing panic of, oh yeah, yeah, sorry, 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 we'll regulate this now. Now? Now? It's too little too late. Now, it looks conveniently one-sided. Now, it looks like censorship of only one particular group. And guess what? You can't do that regardless of how much you can't stand them or disagree with them if it doesn't fall under definitions like obscenity. I've seen terrorist videos on Twitter, but apparently that doesn't incite violence and must have socially redeeming value. It must have serious literary, artistic, political, or scientific value. I can't see it, but it must. See, I'm worried that the comment section on YouTube is an average sampling of the majority of idiots in the world, and I'm actually terrified that in their intellectually insufficient attack on the comment section of the world, that they will fuck up things like humor and the serious literary, artistic, political, or scientific value of jokes and critical thinking and the freedom of speech. This podcast and my whole premise is a very chill out, none of this is permanent, relax, we're all gonna die. But if we can't laugh and ruminate and think about things without having somebody else just go straight for our jugulars, then go ahead and tell God to hurry this up and send the asteroid tomorrow, because that's a bullshit way to be. Okay, so I did just suggest the end of the world. Sorry. Sorry. But honestly... This is getting crazy. Opinion culture has taken over, and it lacks logic. It lacks reason. It's almost pure emotion, and it isn't getting any two people on opposite ends of the spectrum anywhere but offended. It's like watching the positive and negative reviews of Yelp collide into an argument about two completely different experiences they had. Nobody is saying someone's experience wasn't real. They're just saying it wasn't their own. I've tried to be zen. I've tried to relax. I've tried to tune it out. But somehow overnight, the basic premise of being able to express your opinion and your sense of humor on things has become threatened, and I'm pissed. The simple act of asking for a little more information is also getting a shitty rep as well, and I'm not sure how asking for more data is simultaneously being called ignorant. Advertisers, large corporations, and the own regulatory bodies of our government have refused to intervene at best, or outright lied at worst, from time to time when it was in their financial interest. You don't believe me? You don't know what I'm talking about? Well, let me remind you that cigarettes were once completely healthy, and they swore that there wasn't any evidence to support that it caused cancer. They've lied or looked the other way before. It would be crazy to start blindly believing that they've just cleaned their act up now. I'm aware that there are people hitting the share button on some absolute lies. 
spreading panic, fear-mongering, but that's a topic discussed at length in the last episode. But apparently, anti-fear-mongering can also be a form of oppressive control with too much information. Did you know that in Cambodia last year, in March, they were arresting people for spreading what their government deemed fake news about COVID-19? Unlike people in America who've been able to share all kinds of news of all of the spectrum about the virus, Cambodia's government was proclaiming that they had zero COVID deaths and everything there was perfectly under control. And sharing any news different from that resulted in Cambodians being arrested. There was even a case of a 14-year-old girl who said that she was afraid to attend school in person because of the virus. The government showed up, arrested her, and made her apologize on video to say that she had spread fake news and she felt perfectly safe now. Can you imagine how many people in this country would be in jail in America if you were arrested for sharing untrue shit on the internet? I bet people would finally read the article before they hit the share button, though. Actually, no, I don't believe that. I think people would still go ahead and just click share, but um, if they started taking people to jail for lying on social media, can you imagine what would happen? The first people to go would probably be the chicks you vaguely remember from high school who are trying to sell you that crystal light pyramid scheme powder, or the people who swear that essential oils, like, cured their kids Ebola. Honestly, maybe a little interference wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I mean, they do have to write things like, do not ingest on cleaning products, because the collective IQ is apparently not great. Maybe not so much regulation and restriction, but maybe we need a few warning labels. Because someone has taken it way too far. For the record, I don't think that a truly hateful, venomous, violent opinion should be shared or protected. The hateful people who are looking for provocation, violence, go ahead, ban them. They don't know how to correctly use their own voice. It's like somebody who got a license just so they could drive a car and crash it. It's a privilege, not a right. Stop doing that. The freedom of a platform and, and the ability to have a platform and speak, I do think that that is a privilege and not necessarily a right, if you're going to be a violent dickhead. So the people who are looking for violence and provocation, the trolls, they don't know how to correctly use their voice. And more concerning, they are probably actually looking to harm someone. So if all they're going to do is get up and spew hate, they can just take a seat, somebody insert a ball gag, Nobody has time to take that into their spirit anyway. But there are occasionally things said that are being taken as hateful when it's actually a joke. And they're being attacked, banned, fired, or worse for it. Much like Larry Flint's parody ad about the Reverend, who, by the way, he started it, he'd openly criticize Larry Flint and the entire industry of pornography, I'm sure that there were way more people than just Reverend Falwell who found that ad offensive and not funny. But just because the few disliked the parody doesn't mean that the many who understood it to be nothing more than a joke and laughed should be punished. Here's a more current example with less porn. Here's a more current example with less porn. I can't count how many times my coworkers and I joked about our workplace burning down. 
I never enumerated a list of plans and laid out exact ideas of how I would be the one to execute that, ever, because I was not serious. But the phrase, I wish this place would burn to the ground, definitely came out of my mouth while I was frustrated. (laughs) I was joking. But for all of the people who had ever joked about burning their work down themselves, there was that one person who ruined the joke for everyone because they did it. Stop ruining good jokes. Stop making people wind up in the HR chair with discussions about their, you know, off-color sense of humor and how that's an inappropriate joke to make and some people are uncomfortable all because you can't tell the difference. For anyone who doesn't get why it's funny to imagine your workplace burning down at a job you can't stand, let me explain this really quick. Because it's cathartic and it's therapeutic, in small words, it feels good to imagine a place that has figuratively put you through an absolute fiery hell going down in a big ball of flames. It would feel a lot like that repercussion we've been talking about. That's all I'm saying. But P.S., while I feel it builds character to endure and persevere through workplace challenges at a job you dislike, I don't recommend suiciding your mental health over it, and if it's that bad, if it's so bad, you stop joking about it burning down and start making a list of things to buy at Bonfires R Us, just quit. It's okay. Just quit. (laughs) Before the release of content on Netflix or HBO or any real platform ended up slowing down because less was able to be filmed and released because of COVID, I would occasionally see these pop-up offended op-eds about a comedian that made a particular joke during their stand-up special that's now popular and how it was terrible. And the comedian, the comedian, the person who gets up by themselves and tries to make hundreds, if not thousands of people laugh by speaking that they should apologize for their joke. That would be like telling a bartender to apologize for the alcoholic drinks they made that got people drunk. We're all just trying to work with what we've got, you'd kill a joys, okay? But I am a firm believer in the spiritual idea of being in alignment with things. And I apply this idea to almost everything, from the content I consume, to the food I eat, to the people in my life, to the workout I do. If it doesn't resonate with you and make you intrigued, happy, excited, laugh, want to reach forwards or upwards, be motivated or blissful, then quite simply, it isn't for you. But the people standing around and bitching about how jokes or Trader Joe's food packaging is offensive, well... That's like finding a pair of pants that were never going to fit you in the first place and screaming in the middle of Target about how stores should apologize for not making different jeans in your size. If it doesn't fit you, it's not meant for you. I'm going to say that again in a different way. If it doesn't fit you, if you didn't laugh, if you didn't align with it, it wasn't meant for you. Move on. Somewhere out there is a community for you. But if you start feeling offended and like the one that you're in isn't something you align with your taste or humor anymore, it's just time to go. And it isn't something to lose your mind about, it's just growth. There will always be a new place or group of people for you to find alignment with, 
if you make the effort to look for it. Sometimes I think the hardest part about creating content on the internet today has to be cultivating your own audience. In other words, creating a space for people you are in alignment with before they figure out that they are in alignment with you. Especially if you are doing something different, unique, or unpopular right now. The phrase, build your temple, they will come, has popped into my mind while I think about this. And while I believe that statement to be true in a metaphorical sense, I also think about it in a religious context. And I know that if you applied it in a religious connotation, you would be very quick to see how passionate believers of a different temple would be the first to mock and disbelieve your newly crafted temple. Only when a few free thinkers grow into more and more to help you amass an audience and a following do you make a fan out of the initial people who swore you were building a temple to a false idol. Because the first people wanted more proof in your popularity. They joined their temple that they were a fan of because it was popular, and then once you had popularity, then they came over and they felt they could align with your shit too. Those people are the idiot commenters on YouTube. Those people are the ones hitting the dislike button on Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. But let's be real. You weren't building your temple for them. You persevered with your temple in spite of them. Against people who said you were wrong or crazy, you followed your own intuitive alignment and built the content temple of your own truth. And you weren't hurting anyone along the way, ever. But how fucked up would it be to you and the first believers you had and the peaceful audience you grew if you were shut down, stopped, and silenced from building your own temple simply because the initial people with their own place of worship didn't know, listen, or care to try to understand your own point of view. They just shut it down because it was different, and that's that. Well, that wouldn't be freedom. It wouldn't be the freedom of religion, it wouldn't be the freedom of speech, it wouldn't be the freedom to peacefully assemble, it would be the opposite of all of that. I'd be more inclined to believe that unicorns poop skittles and roam free in Central Park than to think unity is a possibility between people right now. And honestly, unity would require finding a common average, and if there's anything I've learned about the common average of people who voice their opinion, well, it's Yelp in the YouTube comments section, so just go ahead and roll the dice. But all I'm going to say is that we will never be able to hear someone out if we just plug our ears and refuse to listen. We will only dig a deeper and wider canyon of opposing sides that becomes isolation for ourselves and the people we refuse to listen to. If we never attempt to meet in the middle and exchange thoughts and opinions like evolved communicative beings, we will never be able to find common ground we will never be able to even attempt a semblance of understanding each other. I don't have an answer for how we find common ground. And right now, it feels like the land before time when Littlefoot gets separated from his mom, like, it's fucked up out there. I don't know what the answer to fix it is, but I think I know what the answer isn't. It isn't silencing people, because some people simply don't like what they have to say. It isn't silencing people who are peacefully acting within what they feel 
is something they are in alignment with. And it isn't completely abandoning freedoms people fought and died to have just because things are uncomfortable right now. It would be a disservice to the memory of anyone who fought in spite of oppression for these rights to be willing to just give them all up now because we let some uneducated idiots in the comments section get a little too loud temporarily. Because again, the commenters aren't the ones that can create the content. They're not the ones building a temple. And they shouldn't be the few with the power to fuck up what many have peacefully enjoyed for a very long time. If you guys made it this far, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening. That's really all I have to say today, but I hope you guys exercise, enjoy, appreciate, and never take for granted your freedom and the ability to voice your opinion and use the freedom of speech. I'm Jackie Dutton. This is Relax, We're All Gonna Die. And I will catch you guys in the next one. Mm -hmm.